0: A cold night sets a scene for its fateful discovery. Two young couples are out on a joyride. It's November in 1966. What else are you supposed to do in Point Pleasant, West Virginia? Linda and Roger Scarberry are taking their friends Steve and Mary Millette to a local hangout called TNT in their 57 Chevy. This area is overgrown with forest and mountain greenery, although it used to be used to store gunpowder and manufacture ammunition for the military. As they cruise along, you can almost hear the sweet sound of the mamas and papas coming from the radio, the engine rumbling and the autumn leaves being whisked into the air as they cruise along. A passing glance to the rearview mirror strips away this classic scene and hurls you into collective imaginations. Two large, round, deep red eyes are clearly following the car. They all looked to see the figure of a man with huge black wings and glowing red dinner-plate eyes following them. After the encounter, the group would say they would hear the creature making squealing sounds like a mouse. Linda Scarberry specifically remembered they could see the muscles in its legs. The Mothman cometh. I'm Abby, and you've been warned. Don't look in the trees. Well, what's up, my fine forest friends? It's me, Abby, back again after some time off. Let me start out by thanking you for sticking with me throughout the time between episodes. You all know this already, but Nick and I both work full-time. I'm a noir nurse, and he is a teacher. It makes it a little bit difficult for us to produce these long-form episodes because it takes so much planning, research, and effort. We've decided to compromise the podcast in favor of keeping our schedules a bit more regular. A lot of you have kept up regular with me on TikTok, where I've been putting out content pretty regularly. Your support of my content has been really encouraging, and I want to, know, I want to thank you all and say that I'm grateful for your patience and your understanding. Now, let's dive back into this week's story. We'll circle back to the story from the intro first. The couple couldn't believe what they had seen. They quickly drove off from Route 62. Linda yelled for Roger to hurry. The couples then saw the creature up on a hill by the large billboard as they went around a curve. It spread its wings and went straight up into the air. They were all terrified and kept yelling for the driver to go faster. The mothman began gliding back and forth over the back end of the car. We didn't know what it was, and I don't think I've ever been so scared, said Linda. As they went along the straight stretch of road, they were going over 100 miles per hour, but the creature was still able to follow them. They saw it in the back window and saw the shadow go across the car as it flew. They couldn't get away from it. They could also hear the wings hitting the top of the car as they drove. It's even said that it left scratch marks on top of Roger's 57 Chevy. "'It squeaked like a big mouse,' said Mary." and they were only able to get away from the Mothman when they reached the edge of the Point Pleasant. The creature disappeared, veering off into a field as they went into town. The couples continued going into town. They stopped at the local Dairyland, and they tried to figure out what to do next. Linda suggested that they go to the police, but Stephen Roger thought they'd just laugh at them and wanted to go back to make sure that the thing wasn't still there first. The group ended up being too afraid to do that, so they turned around. As they were turning around, they saw a large dead dog lying along the road, which was gone when they went by later again. According to the couples, the winged creature jumped out as they passed where the dead dog was, went over the top of the car, and went through the field on the other side. They drove back into town and parked at Tiny Steiner and decided to contact the police. The teens told their story to Deputy Millard Halstead. They told the police that they saw a large winged creature whose eyes glowed red when the car's headlights picked it up. They described it as flying man with 10 foot wings following the car. Halstead didn't believe them at first, but knew they weren't troublemakers when they saw that they were genuinely terrified, so he actually went out to investigate their story. The couple drove back to the TNT area with the deputy. Millard shined a spotlight around the area, including the tree lines. Deputy Halstead is said to have heard a strange static disturbance coming from his radio that he couldn't explain but he found no clear sign of the creature itself. The witnesses were sitting in their car and said that they saw shadows circling nearby and a cloud of dust kick up from an adjacent coal yard. The Millettes were too scared to go back to their homes, so they stayed at the Scarberry's trailer, turned on all the lights, and stayed awake from fear all night. The following day, Sheriff George Johnson held a press conference to discuss the sightings. The local press began printing the story and named the creature Mothman based on the comic book character, Batman, who had just gotten a television series at the time. Steve Millett told the local newspaper, we understand people are laughing at us, but we wouldn't make up all this to make us look like fools. That same day, the couples went back to the TNT area during daylight and found odd-looking tracks resembling two horseshoes put together, but smooth. Steve saw something fly up inside a boiler when a door was kicked open. No one stayed around long enough to see what it was. After this original sighting, more and more people began reporting seeing similar things such as Marcella Bennett's sighting, which happened a day later. Hundreds of cars full of eager people swarmed out into the TNT area at night in hopes of seeing the Mothman. A shadow was cast in the Valley of Point Pleasant, and thus began the legacy of West Virginia's Mothman. The story was immediately picked up by the newspapers and spread quickly. Large crowds had already gathered in the TNT area by the next night. Within the week, the papers had already named the creature and were picking up on similar sightings as well as speculating on different explanations on just what was going on. The media storm continued throughout 1966 and 1967. The story was printed locally, nationally, and even internationally. They went over the Associated Press Wire, and was even featured on the Pacific Stars and Stripes newspaper, which went out to the American troops in Vietnam. In 1970, author John Keel released a book called Strain Creatures from Time and Space, which contained a chapter about Mothman, and included this sighting. Then, in 1975, he released his book, The Mothman Prophecies. The story has since been detailed in several books, articles, newsprint, TV, shows, and documentaries. Information can be found at the Mothman Museum, and a retelling of the story has even been immortalized on Bob Roach's Mothman statue in Point Pleasant. Linda Scarberry has said that she and her husband, Roger Scarberry, had seen the Mothman on several occasions after their initial encounter on November 15, 1966. Many other Mothman witnesses have said to have seen the creature more than once. The story of the Scarberry secondary sightings are often told during the TNT area bus tours and at the Mothman Festival. The couple's continued sightings are most likely not printed in the newspapers at the time, but these personal stories were recounted in the correspondence and the interviews. In 2002, Linda did an interview for the book Mothman, the facts behind the legend by Jeffrey Walmsley and Donnie Sargent Jr., in this interview, she described an instance in which she saw the Mothman on her roof in December of 1966. Their home, their home at the time was on 13th Street in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. She said, We saw it again about a month after we saw it. We lived on 13th Street. The roof slanted down at an angle from the upstairs bedroom window. I looked out that window. It was sitting down. Its wings were folded around itself like it was trying to keep warm. It had its head turned sideways, looking through the window, as if it was curious. By then, I had figured out that it didn't want to hurt me. I could just tell by the way it looked at me. I was very curious and wanted to try to communicate with it, but I still didn't know what it was or where it came from, and I was a little scared of it still. It looked so lonely, but not scared anymore. It looked cold, too. It was really cold out that night. This wasn't the only supposed encounter with the Mothman on the Scarberry's roof. In local reporter Mary Heyer's letter to author John Keel on July 2nd, 1967, she wrote about Roger and Linda experiencing more activity of Mothman on the roof. She mentions Linda's mother, Mabel McDaniel, and says that the roof activity occurred over three nights. Those three nights being June 29th, 1967, June 30th, 1967, and July 1st, 1967. She said, Mabel said that Roger and Linda swear that the monster has been seen on the roof over the past three nights. Linda even claims that she sees its red eyes and has been a nervous wreck, according to Mabel. I really don't know what they think of this deal if they really see something or just think that they do. When asked about if Mothman is good or bad, Linda Scarberry said, I don't think it ever had evil intentions. It had numerous chances to harm or even kill me and some other people, but it didn't. I think its main intention was to not get hurt itself. A lot of other people tried to kill it or capture it. I don't think it would have hurt anybody or anything. A lot of dogs started to turn up missing. A lot of people blamed that on the Mothman, but I don't think it was him. I was looking for more recent stories on the Mothman, but everything turned up dead. Do you have a story about the Mothman? Maybe you have an opinion on his legitimacy. Have you seen him? Heard him? Smelled him? Your stories help to support the podcast, so please send them to Dlittpod at gmail.com. That's dlitt at gmail.com. Okay, so here's how the release schedule is going to go. You can expect a new show once a week, between Tuesday and Thursday. Keep an eye out, or even better, follow the show and turn on your notifications for new episodes. I've got plenty of email suggestions for new episodes, but if you've got something specific you want to hear about, send it to the show email. I've linked it in the show notes for your convenience. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Don't Look in the Trees. Would you like some more content? Follow the show Instagram at Don't Look in the Trees. Follow me on TikTok at at underscore Sabota, where I post frequently. You guys are the best, and I hope you keep listening. I've been Abby, and you've been warned. Don't look in the trees. (laughs) Toodaloo!